Hello and welcome to Particular, a podcast that talks about particular topics and ideas in not a particular way. My name is Anastasia Vartnikova. And I wanted to start this episode by giving you a little bit of context. So I've known Alina for years. She's the hero of my first documentary film, and it started our friendship. Alina Zorazina is a professional snowboarder, Olympic bronze medalist, world champion, and a professional graphic designer now. We talk about starting a new career, moving to a new country, and making art without a national identity since the start of the war. I also want to say that the war in Ukraine is still going on, and you can help people of Ukraine by donating to charities of your choice. My friend is coordinating a fund for nine volunteer teams across Ukraine, and direct money donations sent to him are being spent on the ground within hours on warm clothing, food, water and medical supplies. I will list all the details in the description box. And now, on to the podcast. I want to start with a disclaimer that it's going to be the hardest podcast I've ever done because uh, you're the person that I know for quite a long time and uh, it's going to be really hard to kind of distance myself from knowing a lot about you. So, Alona, how do you introduce yourself uh, and how does it differ from how you introduced yourself back in Russia and how you introduce yourself now here in the UK? Well, in Russia, I used to... It's not really the country that, that makes me... Uh, introduce myself differently <laughs> it's that uh i used to be famous and now i'm not so the difference is i used to be um alina the snowboarder and now i'm just the now i'm just alina <laughs> and that's the that's the difference um now now i'm an alina the graphic designer that's the only difference okay so we're gonna um cover that a bit later but i wanted to um ask you to like briefly tell uh, the listeners like your how would you like summarize your path to where you are now in like maybe two or three sentences and then we're going to dig deeper into it um okay so i used to be a professional snowboarder for most of my life um i competed in the olympics and that was what I was doing. Um, and then I decided to quit and to become a graphic designer. And I went to study in the UK, went to the CSM graphic design course, and I did the BA there, graduated this, this summer. And now I'm pursuing my career in the creative industry, trying to become a a creative director or something along those lines. Okay, but um, can you tell a bit more about um, your snowboard career and uh, why did you decide to to quit and to like completely start over from scratch in a different uh, sphere? I got disillusioned in the hiring organization, um, which was the Russian government. Um, <laughs> And they made my life pretty difficult. Um, there was a lot of, um, there was like, a, there were a few things that were coming together when I was finishing my career. Um, my mom has passed away. I, um, I became fourth at the Olympics. 
and basically the life of a Russian athlete became hell and it wasn't fun anymore. So I decided to stop. Um, and I mean, it was time, it was, it was time to stop anyway, I think, because, um, one can't be an athlete for forever. And, um, it was a really hard decision. If I think if I, I didn't want to stop, then I kind of wanted to keep going, but I think it's difficult to stop something that you love doing and that you're good at and nobody wants to do it unless they have to. So I think the circumstances sort of decided for me to stop. And I think it was a good decision, even though I miss it now. Um, and most of all, I miss being good at something. Um, but as I heard recently, some people never even get to the point where they're, they're very good at something. So like, welcome to the real life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's why I decided to stop. I, it just wasn't fun anymore. And it was taking... It was taking more than it was giving to my life. Um, the toll was quite, quite great, and um, I, I just, I sort of just gave up on trying to, uh, to be a Russian athlete in a world that doesn't want Russian athletes to be there. Um, and I wanted to take control over my life. I didn't want to be um, denied a job because of some decisions from above. Um, because it doesn't matter how good you are, whatever you do, if someone else fucks it up, then you know there's nothing you can do about it, and it's really unfair. Um, and that was, I mean, that was four years ago, and then obviously now like four years after we are in the world where russian athletes can't even compete internationally so it goes to show that i've probably made a right decision but what was um the most terrifying when you were making this decision um the most terrifying was that i will never have a job again i might never like i won't be able to make money like i basically have to i had to grow up like, and the growing up process had to sort of go overnight. It was really quick, really sudden, because I used to be an athlete since I, since I was a child. And that was how I was making money since I was 14 years old. I've never been out of job since then. I didn't rely on my parents pretty much growing up. I didn't live with my parents. I didn't, um, like, they weren't really giving me money. I... I was self-sufficient, and um, when I had to stop snowboarding, I realized that I probably would have a, some sort of a, a parachute for a while, um, but then eventually I had to figure something out for myself because, you know, that's just the way it is, and um, whatever that was, I had to decide, and I had to, that, that was really scary because I was like, what if it's the wrong thing? Or what if I'm not going to be good at it? Or what if nobody will like believe me or fi or hire me ever? The most, yeah, I just wanted to be hired. But also, like, I can't really like a lot of people who are athletes decide to open, like, start their own business. But I have a fear of my own business because my mom had her business, and I've seen how she her business was raided in the in the 2000s, and how like the economic police or whatever it's not it's called the like the economic police of russia isn't it it's the 
whatever the white crime, white, white collar crime um, police basically was knocking on my mom's office doors and she had to like, well, I had, I had to witness um, the raids of her office and how she was like years of courts and litigations and that took a toll on my mom's psychology and mental health and generally like what I think that's what ultimately um, made her made her super depressed and I do think that ultimately that killed her so I think that's that's a very hard like memory for me and like that's why I don't want to take any responsibility for my own business I don't want to I'm like really scared of authority i don't want to start my own business i don't want to face the you know the consequences of dealing with the police or whatever i just have this fear that like somebody will come for me even doesn't it doesn't matter like if i did something or not so that's that's why i'm I'm not like super eager to open like a nail salon or something otherwise that would be my second option Okay. I can't really imagine that, but yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> I will have to do a lot of translation, I guess, after, afterwards. <clears throat> but um, so, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, because I I know like a lot of context, and I I, I was there when you were making decision uh, to 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 quit um, your professional sports career, and I wanted to like wanted you to tell a bit more about how did your like first year look like because I knew whilst you were a um, professional athlete you're already interested in graphic design but for some people when you quit something uh, they don't have straight away like something that they, they decided to pursue afterwards so how it was for you for the first year like trying out new things or did you just like straight um, started like um kind of um upgrading yourself in graphic design it's interesting i i think i was more sure in what i what i wanted to do my first year than i am now because i like even my first project i i was lucky enough to work with nike moscow to do a publication for them now to to this day it's my biggest client my first client was my biggest client just because like, I still had something. Um, I mean, I still, I still had something somewhat of a name from the sports world in, in Moscow. That's why I had that opportunity uh, here in, in London. Of course, nobody really knows, nobody knows me and nobody's going to give me that opportunity. I have to fight for it like everyone else. And through the fact that I'm actually not 19 years old and I, I'm not willing to start from like a minimum wage position anymore. Um, so that was like, I just knew I was attracted by the creative industry, what exactly I would want to do. I kind of didn't know, but like, it was something along the lines of art direction or maybe like, um, some directorial kind of work. I was considering, um, going to like video production and doing that, but, I sort of thought that graphic design is like the gateway to the industry altogether. And it's like a good start to 
you know, to become like a multidisciplinary designer or whatever you can decide later. And I thought that maybe if I get on that course, that will give me time to realize, like, to understand what I want to do next. And it doesn't matter, like, how I start. I just need to start doing something. And that was, like, one of the best advice that I received at that point. Somebody was, like, somebody who was in our director at that time in Moscow, one of the agencies, just told me that, like, just go and do something. Like, start doing it, whatever it is. And, and that's what I kind of did. And then... Now I'm here for four years later. Yeah. And um, what kind of tips would you give yourself back then uh, when you were starting basically from scratch and having like no, um, not being like famously known as a graphic designer? Like, well, what what tips would you give to yourself back then? I I don't really know. Like, I think I did pretty well. Uh, mm, the less you know, the better. <laughs> I, what what tips would I would give myself right now if I knew everything? Get your money the fuck out of investments, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Offshore, get the money out of Russia, <laughs> go buy a house somewhere not in Russia. And that's that's the only advice I would give myself right now. Everything else I've 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 nailed. Well, not nailed, but like, you know, it's nice not to know kind of where you're going. Trust the process. Um, there is nothing that li- really that I could, you know, suggest. If I would, if I knew, like, like the, the more you know, the less you want to do it. Because it is difficult to start something when you're 30 years old. Especially when you were, you know, I had a lot of people telling me how you are something in what you're doing and you'll never make that much money in that new industry that you're going to and nobody knows you and have you really considered like why don't you just be a snowboard coach why don't you start a snowboard school and i'm like i don't love snowboarding that much i mean i love it but like i don't love the people who made my life hell in you know where I was. I'm not saying that I don't love snowboarders. I love snowboarders, but I didn't love the ones that were making my life hell in Russia. And I kind of, I don't think that I really fit there. I was always too uh, artsy and not in a good way for for an athlete and too athletic for the art world. So I I kind of did not really fit there. So right now, I don't know, like literally the only advice I would give myself is like, don't worry about money right now because that's when the money was okay now four years later i'm like shit i wish i spent more money on myself (laughs) back then (laughs) also also in 2018 i went to new york and uh i went to kelvin klein and they had those really nice red boots and i thought oh no i can't get those boots you know i can't afford to get those boots now i'd be like girl you better bought those boots <laughs> so that's the, that's the that's the that's the advice that i would give myself buy those fucking boots when you can because there's going to be times when you can't even buy like grocery store shopping <laughs> um was it important for you to kind of detach yourself from your previous career to start the new one or do you find yourself now like kind of like an intersection of using your uh, legacy of a professional snowboarder in graphic design? I have a really hard time finding that intersection. Um, 
it's a process and it takes me a long time to uh, get through things, but I, so I sort of had to forget who I was. I sort of had to cancel whoever I was back when I was a snowboarder to, to get this humility to start something new and to suck at it. You know, you're nobody and you have to just, you know, do the work and hope that some something's going to get, like something's going to work out. Um, it, there is definitely, there is definitely no entitlement in terms of my previous career. And a lot of people are saying that like, you can't just like straight up forget who you were. You have to sort of use it and build on top of it. And I understand, but in, in practice, I have little idea of how to do it. I don't know how to use my legacy as a, as a professional snowboarder other than, oh, cool story, bro, that you were, you know, traveling the world and, you know, shaking hands with like world leaders. Like nobody, that's not like what makes my CV stand out or at least like not in a way that I want it to be. Um, so I'm still working on it. And um, when you decided to finish your career, it was the same year that you, uh, that you moved to UK. So did it help to start in a new place? like your new life studying at CSM and like pursuing your graphic design career or would it be easier to do it back home? I probably would be easier to do it back home, but I don't think I would be the same. Like I would be the same level back home. Um, like there was a couple, a couple of things that really happened to me, not just like, you know, becoming a designer. I also got a divorce. <laughs> so um so I mean like I did have a I also haven't seen my dad for four years so like it's been you know there's been a couple of things that I had to kind of go through and um no I don't like I don't think that's that I've chosen the easiest way definitely not if I you know the easier like the easiest way would be probably to live in Moscow to live in my apartment to have some sort of stability to re rely on my family and, you know, people that I know and, you know, like make, you know, a name in, in the city that already knows me. But now, as we see, uh, that wouldn't have worked out because I would probably have to go to Georgia or something, you know, like it turns out that I did make the right decision. And I'm not saying that like, oh, wow, like everybody who stayed there made the wrong decision. I'm not saying that. They, it's it's just a different thing. I had I had a different way of getting out of Russia. It's not like I didn't leave, I didn't leave Russia because I was a, um, a dissident in 2018. Um, I had my own battle with it. Going a bit back when you moved to the UK, you started in CSM. And can you tell a bit more? Like, why did you decide to go and study somewhere? Like to get a degree in graphic design, whereas you can could have started just doing graphic design by yourself. So why did you find important like the education um, itself? Um, well, I, <laughs> I am a good student uh, generally like in life. So I think that like following rules is important, especially because I've been always told that I have to and that I kind of had like a, a bit of a complex that I didn't have um, a proper degree because, you know, like I was an athlete and I sort of ignored education for 
for a while. I had like a kind of like a degree. I had a bachelor's in economics, but it was like an online course, which has online degree, which I don't really consider a, a real thing. But my parents, like my my grandmother, thank you so much, my grandmother, for countless hours of therapy. Um, that she she was like, you need to finish school to be a real person. When, when are you going to find a real job? Um, you know, it, being an athlete is not a real job, especially not you know um, in the world of our parents. Like people from the Soviet Union don't consider athleticism or working in the athletics or, or sports world a real job um my dad told me when i was 20 years old and i quit my first university art school in Novosibirsk because i had to go to the olympics he told me that uh, adult men won't listen to you unless you have a degree and i like i don't know it's kind of like lost in translation but it's like a it, it, no matter how you just like try to translate it that sentence is full of misogyny and patriarchy and just fully like condescending uh which is you know he didn't do it because he hates me that's just the way you know he was brought up but it really like made a mark on my brain and I, for for five years, I think I had a complex that I was that I was stupid. Basically, my dad told me that, and I for five years I was questioning why do my friends from Moscow State University who finished the law school, why are they friends with me? Maybe they're friends with me because they're making fun of how stupid I am. So that was like <laughs> something that I had to work through. So finally, that now that I have a degree from like a world leading design school. I can finally get over it. Uh, so that cost me 60,000 pounds. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's why. And I think that I don't want anyone to tell me that I, I don't belong because I don't have a degree. I got a degree from the best school in the world, so you can shove it. <laughs> and... Um... <clears throat> Like right now, I hear a lot of stories from people that finished like some kind of art school, uh, whether it's like graphic design or film or wh- wherever. It's um, it's quite hard to find your own style afterwards, to find yourself, to kind of form your own style, because you are taught in like this standards that have been there for years. I don't know if it's the same in CSM, but if, for example, in my um, university back in Russia, like they had the same standards for over like almost a hundred years and uh for me it was really hard to find my own uh, my own voice and style afterwards so how it is for you now because you finished this year so it's been like more than half a year since you graduated how do you find it um i think that csm is really good at giving you um room to develop your style Nobody tells you what to do. And I wish they did tell me what to do. Like this year, it was so hard for me to finish, you know, my degree project. Like we, I talked to you, remember, like how many times did I have an idea and I didn't go with it? Uh, and I, I, it's almost like I, at, at that point, I was like, somebody tell me what to do. I can't. I can't. I'm just completely incapable of creating anything because I was completely out of whack with like this, you know, the news of the war and 
the tragedy and it was really difficult and I wish somebody told me what to do but they didn't and I had to kind of I had to finish the school and I had to come up with a project and I did Uh, I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that the style that I have now and it's not like even I don't even know if I do have a style but like some people say that I do I I'm not really sure but like with like like with snowboarding you know I didn't really fully enjoy my style of writing and now I don't really fully enjoy my style of designing, but I can't really do anything about it. That's just the way it is. It's like, I am not going to be a clean, super fashionable, like super like tight sort of designer. I'm going to be always a bit subversive. Like, and I like my kind of, this is how my experience in life reflects on my on what I'm doing now it's always going to be a little bit dark a little bit dirty a little bit like subversive and like breaking the rules and I think that's like that probably is my style and that's how it it got developed in at CSM if I studied in Russian in a Russian school that definitely wouldn't happen because I did start in (laughs) um I did study for two years in um, kind of like a classic art school where my brother, who is 18 years old now, he studies in the same school and he he's going through the same ordeal that I used, that I had to go through. And he's posting like those pictures of like him doing those like pointel like drawings with like ink and like this ink pen. And like, it's just torture. Like, we're in a digital world now, grandma, like we have to like move on. I don't even understand why those people do it. Like it's been, it's been the same curriculum for, you know, probably 400 years, like you say. And I don't know, like, I don't know, like what good, what good is going to happen. Like after, you know, somebody finishes a school like that, like other than like a highway to uh, therapy, um, (laughs) psychological trauma and uh, people just like telling you that you are nothing. Um, yeah, I really don't know what's gonna, what's gonna happen because of that. But yeah, I think that art schools in, in here, in, in England, at least, are more likely to help you develop yourself rather than ruin it. Was it important for you to be, so let me, let me state it this way. So basically in sports, you have a very clear way of grading yourself. So you either get it like gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal. You either are a champion or like you're not a Loser. champion. <laughs> we, we can say that. <laughs> in art world, we do have festivals, for example, even like in graphic design as well. Like you have festivals, you can get awards, but you can also be like a really good graphic designer and don't have awards because you just don't want to maybe participate in them. So is it kind of like, did you have to band yourself in the way to like not to try to be competitive and get this awards, if you understand what I mean? Not that like a lot of awards were waiting for me. I wouldn't, <laughs> it's not like that some somebody was giving them away or something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have to bend myself out of shape because of that. Um, it's sort of hard. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like, there is this, there is a category of people who are in 
graphic design who won awards, you know, the, the, the golden pencil, AD&D award. Yeah. And I've seen it around, I mean, not around, like I'm not around greatness like that yet, but um, I've heard about it. And it's like, there is like a certain type of art world that is prone to that. And there is, and there are people who are like, no, I'm like, I'm not even going to compete. And I think that I'm going to be, I'm sort of like torn in the middle. It's almost like I do want awards because it's nice to be validated. But on the other hand, I couldn't be bothered anymore to like fight for anything. Like I've, I fought enough <laughs> and I kind of, I don't want to do that. Um, but I, it is, it was really hard for me. I don't like that I don't have instant validation of a gold medal. I wish I did because that's easy. That means if you, you know, if you get a gold medal in sports, it means you're doing something right. In graphic design right now, I have no idea. I don't know if I do if I'm doing anything right. What if I'm not? What if I'm doing everything everything wrong? Like I don't know. And that's why it's so difficult. That's why you're always kind of like looking for validation and you have this inner battle that people don't they can't really value it because they don't see it, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. So in the last four years, like my social media presence reduced to like bare minimum. And people probably think that I just like don't exist anymore, but I do. And it's been harder than ever. And you do, you do post a lot of memes though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do post a lot of like graphic design memes or like, or raccoon memes or. Yeah. Mental health memes, like mental, mental health, memes. health crisis memes. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of that. So people think that I probably like that I probably live in a state of a perpetual rehab, but <laughs> but I don't. Um, so the inner battle is you know is still a battle. You like when you finished your career and uh, like you, as you said, you had a lot of like events happening for the past four years since you moved to the UK. You also wrote a book about yourself. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> that happened. So I wanted to ask you, was this book, because um, I'm also, I need to distance myself from this book because I, I read it and I read like multiple drafts of, uh, you've been sending me the chapters as well. So was this book more as a, like, was it a PR or was it more like a mental health exercise to kind of, you know, like finish the chapter of your previous um, life and start a new one, just to kind of finalize and summarize it? So what was it for you? Yeah, the latter. Um, I think it was definitely not PR. I mean, there was no publicity. It was absolutely zero. It was negative publicity uh, on that book. Negative Literally, publicity is also publicity. You know? <laughs> no, they just... They just <laughs> It was a vacuum of information. Okay. There's no, there's nothing going on. There is no. Was I was I the it. only person who bought it on <laughs> Amazon? <laughs> You're the only person. No, I also bought two copies for my grandmother on Amazon. Okay. So I we're like one and two uh, lucky owners. Of I book. should have left a review though. I didn't. Sorry. You be like this book is pure garbage. <laughs> um, well, I. Um, you know, like, I wish, I'm just, I'm just saying that because I wish I had more PR and I wish I had more recognition for the book. Um, <laughs> but some people read it. Uh, it was a really good, yeah, like you said, it was a really good exercise of um, sort of like a self-confession, uh, confession, confession 
30. <laughs> that was the, the um, it also like it's it, it also is quite um impressive if you think about it that one can actually write a book and like you don't you know it's kind of like a big deal but at the same time um I don't think that my book writing process was like the usual you like you like it wasn't like that it wasn't polished it was slightly edited like it wasn't even like a lot of there wasn't a lot of work with me and the editors it was just like it was pretty raw and that's why there was a lot of room for improvement on that for that book and it's only published in russian so um people like my friends here were asking whether i would translate that book to english but like only for a few friends to read it because like nobody really gives a shit um (laughs) so um i don't even know um a couple of people who who have read the book really liked it a couple of people like not a couple but like a lot of people actually on eight out of ten people had positive reviews um two out of ten people i don't know like my grandmother (laughs) your grandmother didn't like the book my grandmother i don't know like i think my grandmother last thing that she told me was that your your book read it and forget it like she was like your book what what book read it and forget it i was like okay well okay and then basically that was the last time i've spoke spoken to her um <laughs> that, that, i don't like criticism that's how it's easy to like uh, to finish friendship with you i should have known that for a long time <laughs> yeah you've been very positive <laughs> towards my endeavors this is why we're still friends was um, it a right decision though i don't know <laughs> i mean you still have to, you have you have time to talk some shit okay yeah. um but um, my ex-coach uh, called it um, pulp fiction. He was like, he was like, didn't didn't know you were into pulp fiction. I was like, does he know what it means? Like, does he know that that word has like a negative connotation? Or so I didn't really know whether his comment was negative or positive. But it sort of stuck with me as, as well because I love when somebody talks shit about me, it sticks to me for years and then it makes me feel better after I get through it by buying a bunch of short courses somewhere and paying to get through this, you know? That's that's how, that's what makes me upgrade and grow. That constant scrutiny from people who actually didn't even thought about this. Like, people who just say something because they have a necessity to say something um yeah but nevertheless yeah i did write a book um we didn't forget it that's that's (laughs) that's how it was also the name of the book was uh bad sport (laughs) which i think that i should kind of um um keep going with that my other project this summer, uh, my graduate project, project was another thing was called Bad Sport. That was a magazine about doping culture. Um, so I, I am kind of drawn to that, but I sort of want to close that chapter and like never think about this again. So I think it was kind of like a self-reflective outlet. But yeah, that's 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 what I wanted to like kind of pay attention to is that still in your works in um, CSM, you still did use the the topics of like sport and doping and like your previous career 
and um, only for your graduate project, the one with the passport, uh, you basically used like the the situation that is now happening, like with the war in Ukraine and how people in Russia are reflecting on it, and how people like who left Russia as well. After graduating CSM and now, uh, do you think you will still continue to um, come back to these topics and come back to your like legacy as a, as a professional athlete or you want to kind of move away from it? Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think that I'm going to come back to the legacy of me as a professional athlete. What I'm coming back to more is, well, the, uh, my graduate, my degree project was, um, had nothing to do with sports. It had, um, um, more to do with the national identity crisis that I've experienced this year because of the war. And because I was so identified, like I was identifying with the, Russian government, because for so many years I represented it on the international sports arena, uh, and I literally had to wear the Russian flag, and like I, you know, I saw the flag next to my name, and uh, so that was quite. Um, um, starting in February, I was like, "Who am I? What am I doing here? Why am I so ashamed of my country?" And I didn't know what to do with it, so I had to, and also because I had the block of like I couldn't even come up with any other creative project uh, it wasn't really a choice i had to let it out and i had to make a project about national identity crisis which was the passport project so i made a book about it was a book of interviews just for the listeners it was a book of interviews with uh, my um friends who um denounced the war and who had to leave russia and it was about the experience of how that went for them and how like what kind of like what is being russian to them in this day and age um and how do they like where is it going um and what is the national identity and it was in the shape of a passport because that's like my pain and burden that i have this red useless book that sort of gives me so much pain and locks me in, you know, not, you know, being able to travel. I, I cover it up when I go through a passport control because of, I'm ashamed. I don't like the prejudice. Like, that was my experience and I didn't talk about it in the book because I wanted to let other people talk about it. And not everybody feels like that. Not everybody felt ashamed. A lot of people are still proud to be Russian. But, like, the discourse of being Russian in the last half a year has changed quite a lot. And there's been more... People have been, reading, have been reading more history, and um, yeah, I've been hearing a lot about. Some people are straight up denouncing the Russian culture. A lot of people are saying that, you know, like there's a lot of this like people need to stop listening to, stop holding on to Tchaikovsky and you know the ballet and all of that. That's not Russia. That's not Russia anymore. And what is Russia then? Like, what what should you what should one hold on to? If not that, um, yeah, I don't really have an answer, but I mean, I don't think it's it's not that simple and it's not that um, binary anymore. Um, but I think the more I thought about it, the, the less I have to say about it. And I think that was important to do, to come up with this project. Yeah, and do you, feel, like, for, for me, I, I, I can totally resonate with, with, with this idea of, like, losing your national identity because 
for me for the past half year since the war started for me it was really hard to kind of find myself because like now I also live in the UK and I don't have any connection with Russia in a way that I don't have any work there anymore and like starting from scratch here is quite quite hard but also I find it really liberating in a way because you kind of you're free to build yourself again and maybe you can use your previous experiences and kind of not make the past mistakes and kind of build a better version of yourself so did did you find like this your graduation project was it also liberating for you because kind of like you're now in you the in the UK and uh, your partner he's British as well so basically you're like very um like you're very consumed by this uh, British culture and like I, I I don't know but you, you most of your friends are uh, English speaking now so is it kind of liberating for you kind of to, to detach yourself from this Russian culture or do you still like kind of long for this um, your Russian identity. I, I wouldn't say that my graduation project detached myself from a Russian culture in any way. I'd say it attached myself to Russian culture even more because I literally was wearing Airflot uniform uh, at, the, at the degree show. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't, like, you can't, like, erase this. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't just, like, it's... I wish I could just, you know, get another name and like, you know, pretend, you know, pretend I'm not Russian and maybe change my accent and sort of uh, start drinking afternoon tea and like eat scones and everything. But like, which I actually do that. But anyway, but I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm consumed by British tradition as much as you are, for, for example. I, I didn't queue up for the queen. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I, edit this out. <laughs> I, I apologize. I, I haven't applied for my citizenship yet, so I, I'm free to say that I'm liberated. Um, but uh, I mean, like, I'm not. I can't detach myself from being Russian, and that's the that's the tricky part. Is it though? Because I find myself that I love um, detaching. Russian. No, no, not detaching. <laughs> But I find myself that I really long for like Russian language and Russian culture being here. Like I love it more. And I'm like, for example, back in Russia, I wouldn't really spend time like reading Russian literature that much. I was more interested like in foreign literature. But now I find myself being more interested in who I am and who is what like what is my culture. And I don't know if it's because I'm here and I'm not back home or is it because I'm homesick or something. So I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, that's called nostalgia. <laughs> but nostalgia is, it's basically longing for something you had. And I wasn't a big like fan of Russian culture back home, you know. So that's kind of something new for me. Uh, mm, I think it's still, I mean, I think it is still nostalgia. Nostalgia is just something that, I mean, you did have Russia, now you don't, but uh, you are longing for it in a positive way. That's why it's nostalgia. Um, and that's kind of like when I was reading about national identity and why people uh, and uh, communities who are like diasporas in different countries um, like what is the national identity to them? Nostalgia is a part of national identity. To be able to experience nostalgia to your for your country is um, a part of your national identity. 
Um, so that's maybe a, that's kind of like a progress with you because when I when I talked to you for my publication that was in what like April or March, you had different feelings. You were just like fuck it and forget it. Like I'm not coming back. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy that I'm not there and just like not my thing anymore but now you see you have developed like you're you work through something and like you are in a different place now and then this is another like I think it goes to show that again it's not that simple we can't just simply detach our, detach ourselves from where we're from we can't just forget our roots and I think the more you are away from it the more unfortunately you will long for and um but Talking about nostalgia, do you have nostalgia by your, um, by who you were, uh, in in a way like your like being a professional athlete back then? Or no, I do. I mean, I was fun. <laughs> now I'm really. I'm not. Now fun. she's not fun. I'm he- That's a disclaimer. I'm heavy. She's not fun. Nobody likes to hang out with me. I'm really difficult. I cry a lot. Um, I was, you know. I have a nostalgia for like when everything was nice and easy, you know, when I was an Olympic medalist and I was making a lot of money and I could travel the world and I could just like, you know, snap my fingers and appear in Bali or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, you know, that's just the way it is forever now. And I, I, I miss that. I miss being effortless. I miss being good at something, but the best at something. Um, I haven't been doing something that I'm really good at for four years now. I'm kind of like, and I think I've cho- I've chosen that process of like full immersion into this into the new thing, and that's definitely not easy. I mean, some people who quit snowboarding, they you know they still live near the places where they could snowboard. I don't, and 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 that's really hard. I wish like I I had opportunity like when you don't know what to do go snowboarding and that's like that's that's real that for me that would be so much easier mentally to deal with my struggles if i could have an outlet like i even stopped working out and that was another thing that i had to go through because like now a lot of people are talking about how they love sports and how what kind of workout they're doing and i literally have no time for that like i had to I think the, the way I went through this was complete detachment from like who I was so I can kind of like die and get reborn. And that's how I did it, but not subconscious, not subconsciously or not consciously. And um, yeah, c- uh, can you tell us a bit more what your like professional plans are right now? Like, what are you doing? Uh, what do you plan to do? And maybe you can share like, uh, any projects that you like plan to do or where we can find you on social media? Um, well, thank you very much. I am currently um, between jobs and I'm a multidisciplinary disciplinary graphic designer. So if anyone wants to hire me, um, find me on alinazawarzina.com and uh, drop me a line or at superzina on Instagram. And again, drop me a line and hire me. And I am best at making invitations. <laughs> I make really killer invites to events. Um, But I also do publications and digital and whatever other types of 
design. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm looking for a job that won't treat me like shit. Um, I'm looking for a job that will pay me okay and that you know will treat me well and value me and hopefully I'm gonna find it soon. That's my current um, project. <laughs> That's the struggle of a creative in the UK, I would say. Finding the they will, job. They will, they will treat you well, yeah. Do you plan to do anything connected with snowboarding? I do plan to get a bunch of equipment and start teching snowboards and skis for people who are lucky enough to go snowboarding. So that's... I knew you didn't detach. I knew it. I know, I, I detached. I'm reattaching. <laughs> what my therapist today told me was a really good idea. Well, now I'm in a different position where I can embrace what I used to do and find comfort in that. So maybe that's, that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to, I'm going to start a side hustle of teching skis and snowboards, preparing them for, um, for the slopes for people who are in London, because there is not many service um, places for ski, ski and snowboard equipment. So that's my that's my hobby. Okay, and I and I fi- and I finally finally should um, use you as my best friend to teach me. If that's the way you want to call it. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm gonna finally use you as my best friend. What what does it mean? <laughs> because like yeah, like you're a professional snowboarder. I don't know how to snowboard yet. Like what? What is I mean, happening? You've used you've used me. Uh, as a best friend in in other capacities, I how many titles have I m- done for your films? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. I can also do titles for films, guys. Okay, <laughs> holler. <laughs> okay, thank you, Adorna, for being on my podcast, and uh, we wish Merry you Christmas. all the best with finding. With with finding your <laughs> the job of your dreams. It's time and to Merry be jolly. Christmas. <laughs> it is i hope you will be (laughs) me too (laughs) thank you for having me (laughs) thank you for listening please do subscribe and share leave comments on any platform you use for listening to podcasts check out the links i will leave in the description below and please email us with your stories and suggestions for the next topics have a great week